welcome to the Steve and Goody podcast. We just want to take an opportunity this real quick to welcome you. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of a couple of particularly good looking hunters. Traipsing <laughs> <laughs> around the Australian bush. Too young, very good looking, and tall. Yeah, tall. <laughs> and freakishly tall. <laughs> <laughs> Americans who are trapped and down and down, and uh, our experiences living over here and hunting here and elsewhere around the world. We're going to get on with that today, so stay tuned. It's the Steve Owen Goody Show, live from. Well, we're not really live. We're not even close to live. In fact, by the time you're hearing this, we may even be dead. <laughs> hey, welcome to Steve Owen Goody Hunting Comedy Podcast. Thanks for coming out today. How are you today, Goody? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Doing all right. Fantastic. Rushing on over here. So Goody and I have only been back from South Africa for about two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting over jet lag. Yeah, it took me longer this time than, than the last. I've 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 had um, I've had jet lag because I've traveled internationally quite a bit, and this is the worst jet lag in terms of those. I've had probably about a week. Yeah, it was the same for me. Like I think because I caught the I got the Australian flu and then the African flu yeah, yeah. at the same time. That was horrible, and yeah. your wife grabbed all that too. That's right. I surprisingly avoided most of that. So it's, yeah, okay. yeah, it's because we didn't cuddle as much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't exchange any bodily fluid. Yeah, we'll yeah. This a family show. How is Mrs. Goody feeling? She's feeling much better now. Um, oh, that's She good. shed a couple of scales and two of oh, her yeah. fangs fell out, but mm. she's now growing them back. So she's oh, that's feeling lovely. Much better. So we were a bit bummed because she was supposed to be on the podcast with us in that's Africa, right. but she couldn't because she was too sick and Seriously. in bed. Yeah. So we'll get her in at some point. Yeah. She can give her perspective on this, but yeah. Well, today on the podcast, we've actually got a really interesting, we had another Australian guest who's only our second Australian guest because our time slot seems to not work so well. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so we've got an a interesting guest on today. So we've got Peter Griffiths on from I Hunt Down Under, which nice. is, uh, he's a pretty exciting cat. This guy hunts a lot. He's a really cool guy. I've had a really good chance to get to know him over the last few days. Pete, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Steve and Goody, thanks very much for having me. How are you? How's your day going? Good, man. Well, I'm talking to you guys. I'm not hunting. So. That's not a good thing. That's just not a good thing. Not a, not a bad thing. I'm talking to some great people. I've got to know you guys. I spoke to you guys for a few hours yesterday or steve And, man, what you guys are doing is incredible. The group you guys are putting together, supporting, supporting each other and positive vibes. Love it. Yeah, so Goody's a, he's just a, an add-on to that one. Yeah. But, uh, I'm not anywhere involved <laughs> other than, say, a mascot more than anything <laughs> yeah he's the mascot he brings the occasional uh, witchy banter <laughs> to the ethical question of the day yes that's right uh, i got in touch with with pete through i hunt down under because i've been following his page for i think about nine months now one of the videos that that pete that you posted was about was at the airport when you got grief from i think it was jetstar about your bow case and in, in your camo can you tell us a little bit about that well, actually before you do that why don't we back up a bit because I, I saw the video and I, i'm really intrigued because i've had similar experiences with another another airline that rhymes with death star um and, and, and to a lesser extent version um but tell us a little bit about yourself so you know what you do for work how old you are all that stuff give our listeners a little chance to yeah right all right um so i'm 36 i was brought up on i suppose a small hobby farm size property but always growing up on farms um i was brought up to get my own food so even as a kid i'd get off the bus and one of my chores was to say so we'd go grab a chook or the roosters and we'd 
chop the head off, pluck them. And we used to have kids that got off the bus and we watch them. And this is what we'd do. We'd go pluck that. So we'd get home, we'd go pluck it, dress that chook out like you'd have it at the shop. And that's the sort of thing I'll do when I get home from school. But yeah, I hunted even at school. I was taking a bow to school and hunting. So I've hunted from even as a little kid. Um, so yeah, I'm 36, like I was saying. Yeah, I've been in business for a fair few years now. I used to build mines and stuff. And now I've got an electrical company, which someone else manages for me. Uh, they manage and run it. Yeah. And I pretty much hunt 24-7. Sounds like a dream, mate. That's the life. Fantastic. Best thing about it is not only the hunting, but my understanding of hunting is more of the experience, not to kill something, but the experience of hunting stuff you learn from it and one of the biggest things out of it as well is the people you meet like i'm meeting people like yourselves just incredible people it's gone it's a change from hanging out with people you have to hang out with to only hanging out with epic people it's incredible yeah that's it sounds like you got a good uh, good kid going on that's excellent yeah so are you actually an electrician as well or do you just are you like a business investor um, no, I'm electric i'm obviously do invest in the businesses and help people build their businesses and that's what i think they obviously help them find that dream they're chasing, but I'm an electrician by trade um, and a few other qualifications as well. Mate, we may fly you out here just for that. I got a ton of shit I got to get done at my house if you need <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got... Looking for a good sparky, mate. Every time I try to mess with it, I burn the house down. So yeah. my wife's kind of insisted that we maybe get somebody who knows what they're doing. Hey, look, I, I can fly in for you, but I'll... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cheaper than some of the crap I've wound up screwing up, so... <laughs> well, there is that. Just to understand, I'll be hunting. I won't be doing the electrical work. I'll have to bring someone else in for that. So it'll be two airfares. <laughs> nah, let's not get carried away. <laughs> okay, so you've got down. Oh, well, uh, sorry, I hit. I hunt down under. Yeah. Tell yep. us a little bit about that, because I've only kind of recently found out about it through Steve-O, But how long have you had that up? What's the purpose of that? I'm, I'm obviously not a member, but I know. <laughs> so tell us for our listeners that aren't familiar with the site. Awesome. Yeah. So with hunting, I suppose hunting is not a group sport, you know what I mean? I'm not taking a lot of people, not running into a lot of people. I'm generally out in the bush, just me and the animals. I, I love, I enjoy studying the animals, but I suppose there's that loneliness, I guess, of being by yourself all the time, which is no problem. But um, trying to find other people to be able to share the experiences with. In WA, there's not too much hunting. They don't advertise hunting. It's okay. way on the radar. They, they don't sell hunting stuff. They don't advertise hunting. Um, so, yeah, just trying to find... I put um, I hunt down and under together to meet other like-minded people. To be honest with you, and not only that, filter out all the negative and the the dickheads. The, the, yeah, <laughs> filter them out, man. Like, that, and to be honest with you, like the what I found is the vegans, if I can use that, the militant vegans, because I actually got a lot of friends now from my page from what I post. Mm-hmm. Really good friends that are vegans. They're great. It's the militant vegans, but I'm finding the militant vegans aren't too bad. Just block and ban them. But I find there's a lot of that kind of mentality, which mm-hmm. the ethical word I find is used out of context quite a lot without an understanding. Yeah. And that's inside the hunting community. So just trying to, I suppose I put it together because I understood I can block and ban anyone and create a more supportive group. So instead of, instead of people being able to put comments up there that hold other people back from doing what they love, mm. I'll get people in that, that support them. So instead of saying, oh, that's, that's not what you should do, a question, mm. hey, I see how you're doing this. You know? Okay what's happening to your head why do you do that and you know more supportive give them so they can find themselves different ideas different ways go oh wow there is another way rather than you have to do this you have to do that want people to support each other and not only that in wa they don't advertise hunting as i was saying yeah having a base where i can find other people like-minded that i can bounce off and say hey what you're doing is okay and then being able to teach people the circle of life you know what i mean it is life 
no matter anything in this world, something as a result of its growth, there is a transfer of energy. So something dies to grow up, a plant, a tree, you know, I mean, you've got the dead leaves, you've got the dead bugs, it's that transfer and just trying to get that understanding across to people. But one big thing I come back to the vegans that with is, hey, you buy your fruit stuff from the shop, Technically, that's trophy hunting because you're only picking the best. And if you've gone, <laughs> I've never heard that. I like that. They put it on display at the shop, only the best looking ones. All the ugly ones they throw out just goes to waste. And then I have people attack me that eat meat. I say, oh, that's cool. So you eat meat? Yeah, cool. So you buy it from the shop? Yeah, cool. So when you get your steak, you've got to start an abattoir. And not only when you get to start that abattoir, but the steak you're eating, the cow behind that, that was his best mate, and he was watching him get slaughtered. So he understands full well what's coming. And I said, look, I have, I don't, whatever you do is up to you, it's okay. I don't have a drama with anything. I mean, as a kid, I've thought of my own, but, and that's as a kid. So now I just, I just prefer the hunting, whereas it's a free animal. And when I'm hitting it with a bow, they don't know what a carbon arrow is tipped with a hundred grain razor sharp broadhead traveling at 300 feet per second. They don't know any of that. No, great. Absolutely. The genetics show that a predator is something that's going to chase me down, catch me and rip my throat out. So a bit of a tickle, a bit of an itch on their side, like a mosquito bite, being razor sharpened so fast. Yeah. So yeah. No, I agree. I, I think your logic's sound, Pete. It's, just, it's good to know that you've got a site set up that's giving people the opportunity to understand that. So good. Look, that's a good bit of background in terms of um, in terms of you. You mentioned uh, teaching, so yeah. I'm I'm also aware that you are setting up coaching bow hunting in Perth. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man, I love it. Hey. Um, yeah, so I've taken quite a few people out bow hunting and I've noticed that uh, they'll hunt without a razor sharp broadhead and then you won't get the pass-throughs or the penetration. Uh, they'll hunt without tuning. You'll get arrows not flying straight, also affects the penetration and you'll get misses when there should be hits. I want to be able to teach you guys, not only can you hunt the animal, but how to dress it out and why do you hunt. And generally I find people that bow hunt have that connection. So they're actually quite like, really good people rather than you get people that just shoot, which look, hey, I don't mind whatever people do is up to them, but... Just shooting something seems a lot different to a bow hunter. A bow hunter is, man, bow hunters, they're a different group of people. Hey, they're so connected. And not just, you mean, I want to shoot something with a bow, but when you go hunt with a bow, I suppose a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Well, I don't know, but when you go hunt with a bow, there's so many things that come to play. So not only you got to understand the animal to have an idea of what its movements could be, should be, would be, maybe, you've also got to understand your equipment. And it's not like a rifle, just aim, pull the trigger, it's dead. It's like you've got to hit it in the right place. Your gear's got to be bang on. Your right broadhead's got to be razor sharp. And then you've got to get yourself in a situation or a position where your body and I suppose you're, you've got to be relaxed, you know what I mean, to hold that steady and then take the shot. And then there's the ownership of the whole process. For the education, I don't see it just as to train and educate people to bow hunt, but by I see by training people to bow hunt and the hunting side of it, I feel that's going to help educate the people that are really anti-hunting to realize, hey, our food doesn't line up. We, If we trophy hunt, understand that a trophy is huge respect. You mean an animal could be shot dead, laid on the ground, go to rot, never be seen again, but a trophy hunter will get that trophy. They'll not only eat that, that body, that animal, which is just a transfer of energy essentially, but they'll put that on the wall. And that is respect. That is a huge amount of respect. That'll be there for years and years. You know, an amazing story behind it. That's an interesting perspective, Pete, because um, I think sometimes in the hunting community, and I wouldn't call it a huge split, but there's a little bit of a divide between people who consider themselves meat hunters, right? And um, 
and people who consider themselves trophy hunters. And I think, and again, I, I probably put myself more on the trophy hunt side on balance. And I think there's a tendency for meat hunters to essentially have a negative view of trophy hunters, precisely because of the same concepts you're talking about. There's this notion that it's, oh, I, I'm just hunting that animal because I want the, the antlers on the wall or the tusks hanging on the wall or whatever, or I want to brag to my mates or, or whatever the, the motive for trophy hunting is. Yep. But the truth of the matter is that most trophy hunters also take the meat, at least the ones that I've dealt with. And it is about respect for the animal that they've just killed and that there's a recognition that there was a, there was a significant moment in their life. So it's interesting to hear you kind of blend the two ideas because I, I typically don't hear that. I don't know about you, Steve-O, but usually mm. there's the... I'm just a meat hunter. Which is me. You come from that because you grew up relying on that food yeah. for you know, for, for sustenance. For survival, Whereas, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So no. a very different kind of background. You just yeah. went and saw grandpappy at the deli. Well that's it. That's it. I knew how to get a nice sandwich. But um but seriously though, I, I think it's good to have a concept or start to think about how do we blend those two groups together mm. at least start to have the dialogue so it's interesting okay. before i was i was i was never really i guess anti-trophy hunting because i guess in my mind trophy hunting was never you know people just going out to shoot a big head when i was growing up if you had a head on the wall it's because you got really lucky and you got a big one yeah which is i'm perfectly cool with that yeah. that's yeah i'm like because i'm the same but then our Africa trip was 100% trophy hunting. Yeah. Now, granted, we did get to eat some, which yeah. was delicious. Lovely, by the way. That Impala was amazing. The liver, we did the liver oh, over the fire. Did some liver and onions in a pan as well. Pete, if was, you ever get a chance, mate. Impala, liver, liver, oh, over oh, onions. Oh, mate, nothing. Like I tell you what, everything everything that we ate in Africa, the, the bits of um, the wild game that we ate, there was no gaminess to it yeah. at all. It was spectacular. It was amazing. And... Um, but yeah, it was interesting because that was my first time with an outfitter. It was my first time trophy hunting very specifically and happened to get a, some really nice ones, which was lovely. Can I ask what you got? I shot a, a really nice warthog. I shot a, a big stallion zebra. Um, I took two impalas, one that we're waiting to wait till it dries for uh, measuring, but very possibly could be in the top 10 in the world. Oh, done. Yeah, so I'm pretty stoked about that, and so I'm planning a very nice mount for that one. Yeah, yeah. That one will cost me. <laughs> yeah, um, and then Goody. Yeah, well, I I spent most of the time Pete hunting Cape buffalo, so oh, oh. yeah, it was amazing actually. Um, but unfortunately, the animal that we were hunting, we just couldn't get the right shot in it. And as you you know, with hunting big bovines, um, you don't want to take a marginal shot on one of those things. So that that wasn't successful, but I'll, I've already got permission to go back and from and, the minister of finance. From the minister of finance, she she it. retracted her teeth and her claws. Yes, that's right, and, and whipped out the credit card. Now, so that was fine, and look, that bummed me out a little bit because it was something I really wanted to get. But at the same time, that's hunting. But I was able to take um, a, a really big-bodied warthog, um, not spectacular tusks by any stretch, but that's fine. Um, and it's big works. Yeah. Big warts. Big warts and big bodied, and he was a bit of a prick to the other one, so I kind of felt like <laughs> it was all right. And then, a, and then an animal called the diker, which is a species of antelope that's actually quite difficult to hunt. And um, and this this one was particularly big in terms of its its horns. Which is funny because in the photo it looks like a, like a baby in your hand. Yeah. And yeah, you're like you compare it, and you're like, oh shit! Holy like, cow, that thing is huge. So it was a good it was a good process there. And so for us, it was a and my wife who 
ironically doesn't hunt all that often, but the only time she does want to hunt is when we're in Africa. She cleaned up, mate. I mean, she yeah. she she did amazing. She took a a, a common Impala, yeah. a black Impala, a red hard beast, and a zebra. That was just incredible. She, yeah. yeah, so she did it with a rifle, but um, still that. Thought, just, but she considers herself a hunter now. Yeah, which she didn't amazing. before, That's but it. now she considers. Because I, I made the argument. She's she's like, oh, I did this and did that. And it's like, you know, who says things like that? She's like, who's that? And I'm like, hunters. She goes, all right, I'm a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so, and she hunted when we lived in Africa a number of years ago, and that's how she kind of got into it. So it's it, it was an amazing experience, Pete. I, I, again, I know you, you you're focused on hunting in Australia. If you do get a chance, though, um, well, we're already talking about taking him over. Yeah, I, I you know again, I Steve's put the hard word on you already. I'll I'll reinforce that hard word for oh. somebody who's passionate about hunting. You kind of can't go hunting, or you can't spend your life as a hunter not and not go to Africa. It's kind of like if you're into finance, yeah. you have to go to New York or London, right? It's kind of the same thing, right? You just have to go to Africa and hunt. There is nothing like seeing 12 different species right in front of you. Yeah, that you can hunt. Anyone. That you can hunt anyone, and you've got to pick yeah. which one you're going to shoot and yeah. you know figure out all, all that stuff, and yeah. it's just like, wow. There's just nothing quite like yeah. that. Yeah, so. I've never, the only time I've ever been in a, in a situation where I had like a, a big, large amount of animals in front of me was really goat mobs. Yeah. And I've never seen anything like that with deer ever. Yeah. Like, I think the most deer I've ever seen together in one spot when I shot was maybe four. Oh, wow. Three or four. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to getting close to one of my blocks, that's for sure. We'll show you a few more. <laughs> yeah, we've. I'm, I'm pretty excited yeah. after the conversation <laughs> we had last night. So, But again, if you get a chance to get, and I know a lot of Australians, and we've talked about this before, my experience since living in Australia for 20 years is that a lot of Australians don't really get, you know, don't have as much excitement about going to Africa because they kind of, well, it's, one, it's, it's, it's expensive in some ways, but it's not that expensive. Um, but also it's, you know, time away and all that stuff. Yeah. But man, when you get there, you think, man, this is, this is absolutely worth it. There, yeah. There's just nothing quite like it. And it's kind of hard to explain if you haven't been. We'd said, we've said on the last night, 30 podcasts or whatever, an outfit like Red Sands is oh. amazing. So. It's like a family environment. My room was literally in their house, which was awesome. And you guys were in the lodge because yeah. you got they brought the fam and uh... yeah, I know. Well, it's cold. Hey, so when you so when you do those hunts, um, is it walk and stalk or I think we were talking before and you were saying um, what do you call it? Where you're sitting in the hut? Hi. Yeah, it's a bit about yeah. well, look. It, the, the overwhelming majority of hunting in South Africa is is in the hides blinds because for bow hunting for bow hunting yeah sorry not for rifle hunting so for bow hunting it, it is and that's by and large that's a that's a just a pragmatic kind of reality yeah you because you have long times to hunt yeah because you're there for four or five days and so basically the idea is you're either in a tree stand or a blind um and it's generally near water yeah. and so they tend the bow hunting season tends to be their winter which is their dry season that way things are coming in to, to drink. And so it's a bit easier. However, that being said, Goody did a fair bit of spot and stock on that yeah. buff. Yeah. That was so it, it was in, and like you and I have spoken because I broke my ankle before we went, I, I blind hunted only because I just, I struggled to even get to the blind on a couple of the days. So, but you can do both. I mean, in fact, when yeah. I lived in Africa, I hunted spring buck for an entire month doing spot and stock. So it was awesome. I mean, so, you can do both. I recommend to anybody going, say you're going to book a seven-day hunt, spend the first three or four days in the blind. 
yeah. get, get the animals. Shoot some animals, shoot some animals and, animals, and then play a bit. And then yeah. say, okay, you know what, from now on, I'm just going to use Spartan Stock. That being said, having hunted, now that I'm, I've, I've also now hunted three continents, that is, they're the most skittish animals oh, that I have ever seen. Yeah. They oh. are like, without, yeah. and I started thinking, man, if I had not been in a blind or a tree stand or something, I would not have seen these animals because they would have just been gone. Yeah. I mean, even even my my uh, my close shot was twenty meters. Matter of fact, three of my animals were about twenty meters, and the twenty meter shots they jumped my string. Oh, wow! And my shot went six inches high because oh. they ducked to jump. Yeah. Not like a goat that just kind of yeah. stands there and waits for it. Shot. We've got it on video. I still like to see it. Peter, I'm not kidding. I was ten meters from the duck. Oh. And that's a walking stalk. And it, well, no, well, that was blind at that point. That was in the blind. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Um, and I was, and at ten meters, it ducked. It ducked under my my shot. And we've got the video of it going toward the animal. The animal looked and ducked, and it made itself the size of a flipping yeah. rabbit. And it shot over it, and it happened to kind of get spooked, but came back because it kind of didn't know what it was, which is it's odd. like a made like it did the matrix, the matrix kind of kind of thing. Swoopy thing around the air. And I had a shot on a bushbuck, which is a much, well, a bigger antelope, beautiful animal. Um, same thing, 23, 4 meters away. Right. So not look, a long shot. They look kind of like a shaggy white tail with sambar head, yes. with sambar yeah. horns. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, yes. I had one at 24 meters, and it looked at us, and it was kind of looking our way. And I've had goats look at me, you know, as I'm drawing, and then you shoot, or a pig, whatever, and even fallow deer and stuff. And... This thing, we shot it, and it did a matrix where it kind of flipped and was facing the arrow and then did that matrix thing hmm. where it ducked in it, and you could see the arrow skate along the top of its body. So it ducked just enough hmm. to kind of get out of the way, and then it, fought, it bolted. It was gone. And that was a sort of a spot in stock. So it's incredible, it, you know, how skittish. They're almost like on meth. Right? Yeah. Like they are just... Like, like, and again, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, you know, fowler can be jumpy and chittle and, you know, hog deer and, and sambar, all those, all the Australian deer jumpy, right? Yeah. This is just a different kettle of fish. Yeah, I had a, um, I'd done a bit of filming on fallow deer with a bow and a rifle. So I was using a 270 uh, rifle and me Hoyt Carbon RX-1 doing what, about 68 pound. Um, that's doing 307 feet per second. I shot a fallow deer at 110 with the RX-1, filmed it, slowed it right down, and then I sh also they stayed there because 110, they barely knew. Uh, it went about 5 12, 15 metres and passed out, and the rest of them were fine. Uh, and then I got the mm. 270 out and I shot one at 130. Um, so they were both right next to each other. It went far. The one that I got 100, mm. at 130 with a rifle, on the slow-mo, it ducked as much with the rifle as it did with the bow. So the bow, it ducked, I think, about two to three inches because it's so far they don't generally duck from it. So you see it just it lifted its head up, deer on the ball. Um, but the rifle mm. one went about 140 metres with a hole about a, with nothing pretty much left in the chest cavity. That's um, nice. Okay. That's incredible. Actually, that brings up something else quickly. In last season's podcast... Uh, we had the the ethics one, and we talked about shot distances. Mm. And 
one thing that I that see Goody is is in the the really close camp. I think that's just because he can't shoot well. But um, he's in the shouldn't shouldn't be past thirty five meters. I, I'm of the impression that if your gear is good, everything is tuned appropriately, you can shoot out as far as you feel comfortable and um, feel that. You, you can make a good shot but you actually take shots farther than i do which is interesting yeah i'd love to get the opportunity to um take you guys on a hunt um so I'll take you out for a camel hunt that sort of thing um i always do a tune get me bow before i go on any hunt yep I, i'd love to um i'd love to go over it with you just show you what i do because i actually find 110 meters to 100 meters around there i don't get this thing called gold shy yeah so, so around, uh, around the 20 25 mark yeah, so, you know, you 20, 25, 30, yeah, I suppose you struggle to hold the pin on the bullseye and you're moving around it going, uh, it's on it, it's on it. Okay, cool, and you let a shot go. Um, but when you get out to 110, it's like you don't have the gold shy, but you accept it. So you accept the bullseye and you can hold the pin on there and you'll sit the pin on it steady. Uh, I've had a couple of people say, you know, you can't do it, and they come out with rifles. I so come out and we'll have a go for them to outshoot me. Keep in mind, I'm shooting freehand with a rifle. That's quite difficult. 110, I haven't had anyone with a rifle out shoot me yet. Um, so, And that's not to say I'm a great, incredible shot. I've just found through practicing and trying things, and I wasn't trying this on animals. I was trying it on targets and realized, wow, I don't get, you know, whatever this is, I don't get it out at these longer distances. So, And the arrows find quite true out there. Um, so if I get it true at, you know, on my paper tune at six feet, and it's flying true out, uh, true way out there. Um, the arrows are fairly sailing, so I get pass-throughs way out there on even, uh, what have I had, scrub balls, uh, camels, donkeys. I uh, shot a samba, beer, samba deer not long ago, 133. I've done goats out there. Um, and out there they don't generally know, so they don't move. Um, they don't know what it is, and they'll either stand there like it's an itch, and before you know it, they'll just pass out. So. The way I see it, it's not to just go and shoot everything at that distance. For me, I can get in the five, 10 meters if you want. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I like to be able to have the ability to reach out if I, you know, if I need to or I want to. But understanding when I hunt, I hunt for my food. So I'm not just doing it for, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a hunter. I just, this is what I do. So on those long shots, what's your strike rate for yep. like animals cleanly killed and animals lost? 100% cleanly killed That's 100%. 100% I'll show you on target as soon as I if I get a chance to catch up with this show you what I do it is you pick a hair you get like a zoom super focused for me it's a lot easier on an animal than a target so I like to practice on targets um, obviously you don't want to go practice on animals you know, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to injure them at 110 meters most animals can outrun me I keep myself fit well, I can agree with that. Even even Goody can agree with that. He tends to shoot, well, not not so amazing on paper, but when there's an animal in front yeah. of him, everything comes together. Because yeah. he gets a bit of target panic when yeah. we shoot paper, but when there's an animal, he doesn't. Okay. It's I just mean, gone. And it's funny because I I always get as I get build a build up to a to a hunt and I'm practicing. I was going, oh man, the target panic yeah. kind of comes in and out. And I've got some tools that I use to to manage the target panic. You've actually been getting a lot better at that yeah. with some of the recent stuff you've yeah, tried. So yeah, it's much much better. And I'm. But but when I've hunted, I've never I've been fortunate about I've never had it. So I think for me, I'll just say just to reiterate my view on it, the reason why I advocate for shorter distances, and certainly I I don't I'm not going to beg any individual that shoots beyond that. It's that's not 
my position on it. Um, I, I, my view on the shorter distance is twofold. One, if we think about an arrow, and assuming it's well-tuned and all the rest of it, what I have seen is if an animal does get spooked or does move a little bit, if you think about basic physics, if you've got a projectile that's slightly off course at 10 or 15 or 20 meters, by the time it gets to 50, 60, 70, it can be dramatically off course. So for me, and it, it's about, it's not about if you're shooting perfectly well and the bow is perfectly tuned because that's not a problem. I mean, arrows have, you know, arrows have kill distances of hundreds of meters if, if it was going the right place in the right way. It's more about your margin of error if you're slightly off form and you don't know it, or if you slightly torque tor your hand, or you do something where there's a slight hiccup in the flight of the arrow or the animal moves. What happens is at 20 or 30 meters, that doesn't get magnified to the point where, say, you're aiming at its heart and you're off a little bit, it hits the back of lungs. Hmm. You still get a kill. That same shot at 70 meters then becomes a gut shot. Not by virtue of the fact that other than just that an error in projectile hmm. direction becomes magnified the further and further away you go. So that's the bit where I've always been concerned about it. So it's not somebody who's excellent at shooting, and I certainly don't have the skill to shoot at 110. I, I barely have the skill. I, I, I don't even have the rifle skills to shoot at 110 at this point in my life. But um, I'm going to get you on targets and show you, but you, you'll see you'll shoot better at 110 than you will at 30. It's just you may not have tried it. Oh, look, I, I've tried longer shooting. I, I, Pete, I, I appreciate the effort. Trust me, I know my own limitations and I'm okay with it, <laughs> right? But, um, yeah. but my point is that also, too, the other thing, this is probably a more critical view, and I, I apologize yeah. if I seem a bit obnoxious here, but my view is the whole challenge in bow hunting versus rifle hunting is to stalk in closer. That's just my view, right? Like, yeah. if I wanted to shoot longer, and there are times when I rifle hunted when I was injured and had a hernia and stuff, and... You know, the thing I found enjoyable about getting back to bow hunting was it's much tougher to get within 15 meters of a deer than it is to get within 100 meters of a deer. And, and I find that animals are much more wary the closer you get. So for me, that's the challenge. But again, I totally respect what you're saying. And if, you, if you've got 100% strike rate, good mm. on you. You know what I mean? No animals have suffered and you've, you clearly are a good shot and you've practiced and you've got the right view about if you're going to practice that distance, do it on a target. I've had people say to me, people who've hunted for 30 years say, oh, I'm just going to sight my bow and on, on the goats when I get there, which just is a shocking, you know, shocking concept. Yeah. But um, anyway, so that's just my kind of view yeah. on it. And with no. all respect to your position, right, I, I just, for me, the, the shorter the distance, the more comfort I have that the animal's going to get killed quickly and cleanly. And it's... I find when I get in close, I end up just putting the bow down and getting the camera out, to be honest with you. But that's just... Once I get in, for me, it gets pretty personal. I, I end up just filming them to watch their habits. So I do get in close, so it'd be good when I hunt with you. It's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man. I, I like to get in close and see them. Um, I'm happy to shoot in close, but I've seen I've seen quite a few people hunting, and I've seen them make more mistakes in close than I have far. Not all of them shoot the distances I'm shooting. They're still, um, but I am seeing them making. I see a lot of people making mistakes. I got on videos of. Yeah, even 10 metres, 5 metres, oh, yeah. 25. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look, there's no guarantee. I mean, I, I, I've yeah. cocked a shot up at 8 metres, right? So, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I did it in Africa. 
Yeah. And and before we went to Africa, I had a hundred percent strike rate as well. I'd never lost an animal. And um, I missed. I, I screwed up a shot at twenty five meters on a gigantic um, warthog. Like made the one that that I sent you that you saw look like a baby. It was like huge. And um, he he jumped my string. He took a step. He did everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that stupid sucker. Yeah. It was all his fault. Yeah. So he did everything wrong. Yeah. And then, um, and, and it all happened mid pull of the trigger in my release. And to you last night, Pete, about the, the different shot placement because the vitals are just in a completely different place. It was going straight for it when I released it. Then he ducked and stepped all at the same time, and it hit him right behind the shoulder. Where if it was a deer or something, it'd be dead. But it's stomach. Yeah, it's horrible. And so I had to live with that. So the one thing that I find interesting is um, Jake's argument has always been, you know, you know, at the further distance they can jump the string, which is what you see on most sites. Um, but it happened to me at 25 meters. Oh, and, and look, let me make my position clear. I, I, I'm not saying you can't wound an animal. Of course you can't. Oh, yeah. Believe me, I've, I've seen, again, I've seen bad shots. I've seen, you know, I've seen it all, you know, particularly hunting up north. What I've also seen, though, and this is the interesting thing, the people that I've hunted with that favor longer distance shooting, and you know some of the individuals who, mm -hmm. you know, um, from a different relationship with now, is I've seen a lot of 60, 70 meter shots that, wind up in a situation where we're in the bush looking for them and oh no 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 it was a great shot we hit him in the right place but you know oh we just can't find them which translates in my mind it was a gut shot or it, it was a little high in no man's land mm. or it was a little low and my view is that, or they're bad trackers one or the other no, it, trust me i saw the shot right <laughs> um, and, and so it, it seems to me that the disproportionate amount of wounds that i've seen and i don't judge anyone i've had wounds but I, my strike rate's not 100 percent at all um, vast majority, right? So that's good. But um, but I've seen hunters that are great hunters that have wounded animals, and, and what I've seen is the majority of those wounds happen when somebody shoots beyond a reasonable distance. And for me, that's yeah. thirty five. So again, I, I, maybe you may change that, Pete. When we go hunting together, we'll have a different. I'll have a different uh, percentage. Yeah, yeah. But but my experience is greater the distance the higher frequency that I've witnessed of wounding animals yeah, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. None of them are necessarily the hunter's fault. Mm -hmm. It's just physics or the wind or, you know, the animal hears the bow and has a chance to react. And again, like I said, if they move a couple of inches at 20 meters, it's a back of lung shot. If they move a couple of inches at 70 meters, you know, it's in their, it's in their belly. Right. And so all of a sudden, and again, for anybody shot anything in the stomach, it's a, bitch to try to track anything right they don't mm. bleed yeah if you're lucky you find you know bits of gut hanging out that you can kind of work to something but anyway on a more t on a more pleasant topic no I, I agree that's that's meant i find um for shooting distance as well i don't take every every chance there is i'm just very careful yeah and it sounds like you are it sounds like you're yeah one of the main things for that is i find if for me i'm not a big fan of shooting animals with a bow if they know me, if they can see me, yes. if they got an idea, but not a hundred percent sure, then that's, that doesn't, that's not too bad for us. But if they a hundred percent know what I am, yeah, I won't yeah. shoot them. Even at, even at 20 meters, 10 meters, unless you know, Fox doesn't seem to bother me too much or rabbit, but uh, if it's a bigger game, I just won't take the shot. And the reason even at 20 
is because man, they I've seen them do all sorts. Yeah. They'll suck them up. They'll close wounds, especially like samba. I shot a samba 133. It went about 20 meters. I shot a samba at 32 meters, and man, it closed out and it hit it sweet. I filmed it. Hit it beautiful, just beyond the shoulder, nice and low. Blood everywhere, mate. It just kept going and going. Oh, yeah. And the shot was we got a full pass through. Arrow, good blood on the arrow, good blood trail. I filmed the shot, shot looked perfect. And yeah, the one 133. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, the one at 33 that obviously obviously heard the shot, it ducked into it, which I was, I was uh, allowing for. Um, but yeah. But it was more spooked, so it had more adrenaline to run after the shot, basically. 100% being right there, it spooked from the shot, whereas the other one didn't spook from the shot. So I'm not saying only shoot out there. That's just that was just two instances. Okay. But the 130 meters didn't spook, didn't do nothing. I was looking at it going, wow, it's not even reacting to that. What's going on? And, and then I went down, <laughs> down there and I thought, oh, what the hell is going on? This is really odd. I was sweet. Shot was wicked. I, I was with the arrow. You know when you're shooting, you, you, you get that shot and you shoot and you know you travel with the arrow and you just feel it? Yeah. I just felt it like the arrow is perfect. I'm like, yep, I know exactly. I went through, I seen where the arrow is going, I'm with it. And I went down there, I thought, this is really odd. So I'm filming the thing, and I know I've, the shot's perfect. It's 133 meters. I know it's perfect. It's odd, I can't find the arrow. I go, what? So I walked down as I looked back up to my right. She'd gone about 15 meters laying there near a log. Nice. I was like, oh, okay. It was perfect. And I had a look out a window of probably about 100 to 120 mil to get through and put it through that. So, but yeah. Nice. Okay. I practice a lot. Have you ever dreamed of hunting in Africa, but you thought it was just out beyond your reach? Red Sand Safaris is situated in the heart of the Bushveld in the Lampopo province of South Africa. With plentiful hunting opportunities in the African bush, along with its diverse bird life and natural beauty, Red Sands is a must for any adventurous hunter. Red Sands boasts a wide range of game, from the smallest and tiny of Steenbach to the mighty and dangerous Cape Buffalo. At Red Sands Safari, they not only cater for rifle shooters, but they also cater for the bow hunter. So no matter what kind of hunting you're into, they've got you covered. All you need is a spirit of adventure and good aim. Welcome to Red Sand Safaris, where professional hunter and outfitter Neil Becker will work with you on a personal level, one-on-one, to make sure that you have the exact hunt that you are looking for. If you're keen on getting this Africa dream going, contact us directly at contact.rs. Safaris, all one word, at gmail.com. And remember to leave us the country that you're living in so that we can get you out the correct brochure and price list. Is it time to make some dreams happen? I think it is. I'll be out there next year. Will you? Yeah. So now, let's talk about something more positive, your experience with our good friends at Jetstar, who, by the way, is a sponsor of the show, actually. Been following iHunt down under um, for about nine months now. And uh, Pete actually put up a video on I Hunt Down Under um, of the issue he had at the airport. And so what I did was I've actually asked Pete, this is why we've asked him to come on the show initially, was to talk about this particular incident. So tell us all about it, Pete. Yeah, yeah cool. All right. So I was heading to New Zealand to do – so I'd just done the Samba in Victoria and fellow in the Blue Mountains, and I was heading to – I'd flown from Sydney, 
the fellow. I've just flown into Melbourne to go do Samba. So when I ran into the vegan lady, I was just leaving Victoria or Melbourne to fly to New Zealand. So I walked in, I had my bow case, I had my uh, camo snow jacket on, and I had a camo backpack, which someone gave me for someone out of the hunting page. Anyway, um, yeah, and I was just walking through as normal. Obviously, I stick out a little bit. Um, yeah, and I was walking through, and as I came up to the Jetstar check-in, where you just put your, your name in and collect your ticket, as I was coming up there, I was probably about 30 metres away, and I just noticed, for some reason, I noticed this lady looking at me funny and sort of, yeah, she had a funny look on her face. I thought, oh, I don't have to, I thought that was a bit odd. Anyway, so I went up to get my ticket, as I went up to get my ticket, they had dramas, couldn't get the ticket, and this lady started asking me, oh, what do you, do you do hunting? I said, yeah, yeah, I do a little bit of hunting. And then I could tell the energy she, she, you know, she was looking for something. So she asked me if it's a bow in the case. I said, yeah, that's a bow in the case. you done well to know that. Not too many people would know that. Anyway, um, yeah, and then she asked me if I had a license. I said, no, I don't have a license to hunt. She goes, well, you can't hunt without a license. That would be illegal having that. I said, well, no, I don't need a license to hunt, to be honest with you. Um, and you don't need a license to have a bow. No, <laughs> I don't need a license to hunt a, uh, have a bow because technically I use this as a club. I shoot targets as well, you know. But And she goes, well, don't you hunt with it? I said, yeah, I hunt with it as well. Yeah, I suppose this is making it sound quite friendly. It's not this friendly at all. Um, yeah, so she went on to that. And so the, the whole so she was a Jetstar employee. Yeah, 100% Jetstar employee, dressed up in Jetstar. This way, by this point, there was quite a few people watching. It was pretty obvious. It wasn't, I, I suppose I'm quite chilled. The situation wasn't chilled because people were hearing it and watching. So she was obviously, her voice was a bit louder and whatnot. Um, a couple other staff members um, were out helping other people. So I asked her, look, so where were we? She was saying about the bow and hunting and license. That's right. So I said, um, look, I don't have a license. Don't need one. I don't need license for the bow. Um, because I use it for targets as well. And she said, well, well, this uh, vegan chiller goes, um, no, you have to have a license, otherwise it's illegal. I said, no, it's not. I don't need a license. She goes, well, it's actually a dangerous weapon. I said, well, it's not a weapon. It's like um, sporting stuff. Sporting, I shoot targets. She goes, no, that's a dangerous weapon. So this time she's between me and my bow case. I'm thinking, far out. This lady's pretty hectic. So I said to one of the other ladies, uh, to this one first, I said, hey, can I just ask you to leave me alone because what I'm going to do is I just want to get my ticket um, and then get on the plane and go to where I'm going. So I said, could you please leave me alone? So wait, she wasn't checking you in. She, You were, oh, so, so hold on. So you didn't, so she just came and approached you while you were in, on the queue to get a ticket. I wasn't even at the queue when she got to me. So I'd gone up to get the ticket. Wow. She to me before I even got to the machine. Jeez, okay. Wow. I was trying to get my ticket. She was asking me, and then that, that didn't work. There was dramas with that. So she said, I asked her to leave us, and I leave me alone, and I grabbed one of the other employees. said, hey, can I get you to give me a hand? She said, yeah, I'd love to help you. She was amazing. So she sorted the ticket out, got it for me, and the whole time she was getting me the ticket, this lady was right beside me in my ear just trying to find stuff to fire at me. So she went through things, stupid stuff like, is there rubber on your string? I said, oh. or she goes, or oh, is it silicon? I said, oh, I don't know, rubber, silicon. I think all rubber's got silicon in it. So... I'm going to guess, let's just say it's got rubber. She goes, well... Well, yeah, there's no rubber on it anyway. Yeah, well, it's a funny <laughs> thing, there is no rubber. Yeah, yeah right. Well, if it's got silicon in it, it's deemed as explosive. So I said, well, look, lady, it's a bow, and I use it for targets, sporting stuff. Can you just leave me alone? Like, this lady's looking after me. She's amazing. 
I don't want any trouble. So she and she's kept going. What else did she go at? Um, wow. Uh, what else? She's keep on. She's quite loud. There's a lot of stuff I can't remember. She was just going on and on. So I asked the other lady. I said, "Hey, can you? Sorry to bother you. Can you please get the manager for me? Because this lady's like, this is just getting out of hand. Like, look at everyone's watching. I can see you're sweating. Like, this is really, really uncomfortable for me. I just want to get my ticket and go." And she and the other lady goes, "Well, that's it. Um, I'm going to get the federal police down here." I saw it's probably their job to check this stuff to make sure it's safe anyway. So. Whatever you've got to do, if you feel you've got to do it, can you just go do it and leave me alone? Because this is, like, this is just too much, lady. You're, this is crazy. So I was pretty chilled. She kept going. Anyway, by then the feds were there. I think there was okay. three or four feds there. So I could see them. They were standing out with the rest of the crowd. Looked down and thought, oh, stuff it. Anyway, um, she was still going on, and a fella, uh, fella from America came over, put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, mate, I see you do some hunting. I said, yeah, man. And not even just ignoring the lady going off, I pulled my phone out, put it on the onto the camera, said, help yourself, man, just have a look at that. I've got to sort this out. So he went off. I forgot about my phone. Good fella um, caught me as I took off and, yeah, that was pretty cool. Caught me and gave me phone back and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, was, I suppose I was fairly shaken up from this lady, giving us a hard time. So, but, so, yeah. so she called the police. The, the fans uh, came over. Yeah, what was that like? Yeah, they were cool. They stood back. I think half of them hunted. I got pretty good. I got a private messages from people like that, which was wicked. Um, so, yeah, so they came over. When I left that desk, like the other one sort of a ticket, the manager came out. Or just before the, as the manager came out, I'd had enough when I just said, lady, look, I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you a vegan by chance? Because this, this lady was militant. It was crazy. She had thrown everything she could find at me legal like thing trying to get me like searched i'm like whoa man this is hectic have you been through a metal detector i'm like this is public space i haven't even got my ticket yet yeah yeah anyway so um yeah so she done all that and um the manager just come out i just asked her are you vegan by chance and that's when she started really getting fired up and i was like oh crap and she the other lady tapped her on the shoulder and said oh such and such where the manager is so she stopped and walked away so she walked over to him, told him the story. Um, I seen the manager as he come out just before she got to him. So, mate, can I have a chat to you when you get a chance? He's like, yep, cool. They, she told him his story. I had to go to some other line. They made me go on. And I had to go check in and put down that I had some kind of controlled weapon or some crap. So I went and done that. And then um, the manager came and see me and he goes, mate, I can understand her side of the story. I said, it's not a story. It's just, I just got me to get a ticket to fly. And he goes, no, you offended her. I said, well, how the hell did I offend her? I said, Offend, being offended is just a choice. You can be offended by the color of your socks. What, what have we come, what's the world come to? And he goes, well, you asked her if she was a vegan. I said, let me just ask you a question. Is that okay if I ask you a question? He goes, yeah. I said, now the problem with me asking her a question, you could get offended by that question. Is that true? He goes, yeah. I said, I, I said to her, do you mind if I ask, are you a vegan by chance? That is what I asked. So you're saying that I was in the wrong by asking if I could ask a question, get an approval, then asking a question, and you're saying that I've offended, so I'm in the wrong. So that was the conversation with the manager. And so I'd like to put a complaint in. Um, they wouldn't, wouldn't put the complaint in. Um, they gave us a form to put the complaint in. I put a complaint in, and... 
I got no response back from to this day. I got an email from Jetstar saying apologies that your your travel with us wasn't I don't know enjoyable. That's pretty much the wow. Um, so about okay. one, one paragraph sort of thing. Yeah. See, because that because I think you've got a solution there. My solution would be go straight to the CEO, send them an email. Because yeah. because here's what happens, right? You send it to the CEO, and particularly if you paint a pretty grim picture, which it sounds like you had, what ultimately happens is that that makes life difficult for everybody down the, down the chain. Cause the CEO says, Hey, wait a minute, I'm getting this complaint. They've obviously taken the time to email me. They send it to one of their direct reports and then it kind of eventually filters down. What, what did you get her name? I mean, did you get her employee number or any of that stuff or not? No, they just gave uh, me a complaint number. So I had a, I had a name and put all that in. Um, I didn't put it publicly because, you know, I mean, I'm not out to hurt people. I just like, this is my experience. I like you guys to, I don't want other people to go through it. Um, I certainly know other people have to run into that. Um, I'm not a big fan of complaining, but that that just got to the point where it was just too much. That's crazy. Mm. So it's weird that you were just waiting in the queue and all of a sudden she kind of comes up and ah, there's nothing else. It's like, mate, what are you on your smoker? Like, don't you have there actually no people to help get on a plane? There was, <laughs> there was no queue, hey, there was no one at the machines. She picked me up. Oh, it didn't even line up. There was no reason for her to come to me, hey? That's crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous is what that is. Yeah, I, I would handle that a slightly different way, but it sounds to me like you did, uh, did as well as you could. And at least the cops didn't give you any grief. Well, I left, when I left her, I walked, because I seen the feds are standing there, so I just walked straight over to the feds, walked straight up to them, and they said, oh, what's going on? Because obviously there's a fair bit going on. People are watching. The feds are there, standing back with their arms folded, just watching to see if something's going to break out. So I walked out there, and I put my bow down, and they said, oh, what's going on? I said, well, I'm traveling to New Zealand to go hunting. Um, they said, yeah, we had the call. You're a hunter. No problems with us, mate. Mm. And they weren't even interested. They were just watching. Um, wow. I spoke to them a bit now. They said they're just watching in case it got out of hand. Sort of. Wow. And they yeah. said, oh, no, what you're doing is fine. No drama, man. We don't have a problem with you. We're just here because we got called down. I was like, oh, well, the feds were wicked. And I've talked to them a bit now. They've been absolutely great. Yeah. Wow. On the way home from Africa... Um, we hit Sydney and when I hit Sydney, we went to get on the plane there and I had a bit of an issue and because I'd seen your video, I'm like, Oh geez, Louise is it happening to me now. <laughs> and it wasn't as bad as yours. Not even close, not even close, but I had that in my mind. Like, Oh, this is going to get bad. I'm like, I need a body cam, you know? <laughs> I find that. Because I've, I've flown regularly with the boat around Australia internationally. Qantas is, is quite good. Qantas is by far the best. I've never, in fact. I, had, I did experience one employee that was a little bit well, rude find, to me about it, but the manager too, came over and said, no, nah, yeah. he's fine, he's good. What I find with, with, with Qantas employees, what I've had any little bit of, is they're, they're just more confused or curious. Like they, oh, do, is there some form they have to fill out? And then once yeah. they kind of understand that it's not a gun, or a firearm, or it's not a dangerous weapon. It's usually oversized baggage. That's where that's usually what happens. Is I keep it on the conveyor belt. It's typically easy. Like to them, their angst isn't about what it is. It's about what they have to do in relation to the okay. Jetstar, I've had nothing but grief over the years, and it's and it's usually people that are younger than my oldest pair of shoes behind the desk, 
who try to insist that I need a license, right? And, and, and I go through it. I remember, you know, one time going into Cairns. Actually, I caught a Jetstar flight from Adelaide to Cairns. And I remember the, the woman in Adelaide, it was, you know, again, two teenagers behind the counter. And and I and, and I had this kind of ongoing discussion with them about, no, I, I don't need a, a permit. I don't need a license. It's not a weapon. It's sporting equipment. I've, I've only done, I've been traveling this thing before you were born. Um, you know, that that kind of discussion. Uh, and then eventually you get a manager over who's about four minutes older than the person that they're, that I've been dealing with. And in the end it gets sorted, but you can always tell there's a little bit of kind of anti hunting. It, it, it just is under the surface. Cause usually they won't have that much grief about somebody bringing a bicycle in that's oversized or they just whatever. want to harass they you. They just want to harass you. So yeah. typically my spiel is if they ask what it is, I just say it's sporting equipment and clothes because I usually put clothes in. And I never say hunting. I usually, because to, to me, you know, I'd love to be able to stand up in the middle of, you know, the airport and declare that I'm a proud hunter. But what I find is that it's just going to delay stuff, particularly if I'm running late for a flight. So, and then, and then Virgin's been a mixed bag, you know, and, and to them, it's, it's that, I think it's more on average, it's the, oh, I don't know what to do with this from an airline process point of view, rather than an anti-hunting. Although I've got a couple of people that look down when they see the, see any kind of reference to hunting they get crap i never wear camel in the airport i never get any of that stuff so but anyway wow well it's too bad you didn't get it on film mate that would have been fun to watch hmm. well i actually filmed a bit of it and the airport security came to me and said you can't do that and asked me to delete the footage and i spoke to mates who work for customers back here in perth since and they said no you're in a public space which is what i mentioned to them as well and um no you get to keep that i was that's fine because that would have been good to send to them. Hmm. At the end of the day, I, I realize they're not going to do anything. Move on. I just want to make sure you don't miss your flight. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's so, it. But from that, it was just, just those. But from that, it was, I don't know, pretty full on. But at the other end, when I got to New Zealand, they were great. They loved, they support hunters. They um, went through my bow case. I declared it, opened it up, and went through and cleaned all my gear. Thought that was nice of them. Oh, girl. Okay. You know, I think they just wanted to chat about what I was hunting and what I was doing. The guy down to hunting himself, which was cool. In yeah. fact, that reminded me, a very funny story. Got to Cairns, Townsville. Was hunting out of Townsville and had my bow case, was coming back after a Rusa hunt, actually. Yeah. And the guy behind the counter was as camp as a row of tents. <laughs> Tall, lady, really <laughs> effeminate gay guy, sassy and fantastic. And he was into hunting. He was always at a bow for hunting. I said, yeah. And he was all into it. He had done rifle. And, and look, not that gay people can't hunt. Of course they can. But you typically don't think of. Yeah, it's not the first thing. Like, it's not the first thing you think like, of. And yeah, especially, for sure. you know, he just kind of had this kind of. It was very funny conversation, actually. I kind of wish I kept in touch with him. He's a really funny bloke. But he, um, yes, every now and then you get surprised that some people, yeah. you know, know it. And some people don't. And some people want to, are more interested in what it is than giving you a hard time. Yeah. So that's good. Well, good story there, man. Yeah, bad experience. Good story. So, Pete, I hear you've been doing a bit of a recurve shooting lately. Yeah, man, I'm absolutely loving it. So, I've had it for about two weeks, um, and I got a fox on my first day of hunting, which was probably two days after starting practicing with it. I got that about four and a half, five meters running past. So, I practiced with the swinging balls, all that sort of thing. Yeah, um, and then I've got four or five rabbits. So, all of them I've shot. Uh, under 12 meters, I think. Yeah. Nice. 
Do you consider shooting rabbits hunting? Don't start. Don't fucking start. <laughs> yeah. Don't start. I consider it hunting because I'm eating them. So, but uh, yes. Let me ask you something. Thank now, you. Now that's, Thank you, Pete. Now that's Thank you. Brought it up. Let me ask you something. Mate calls you up. He says, Pete had a great hunting trip. Can't wait to tell you all about it. Can we catch up for a beer? You're like, that's great. It's a couple days. You're still waiting. You're anticipating. You're excited. You're going to go down to the pub. You order your beer. He sits down, he orders his beer. He's like, let me tell you about my hunting trip. And you say, great, I can't wait, thinking it's going to be like a big-ass rusa deer or a pig or a bunch of pigs or a bunch of... And then he says, oh, yeah, got three or four rabbits. Sweet. Tell me deep down you're not a little disappointed. No, I love it. <laughs> absolutely love it. No, so I, I don't mind hunting the rusa deer and that sort of thing, but over here, I don't know many other people here in WA that bow hunt like I do. I don't know many people that bow hunt really um seriously over here at all it's a bit different over here but um i'm just saying pete to be honest i'd love it i would love it if i if i said to you right now i've got two stories for you you went elephant hunting or you went rabbit hunting you want the elephant hunting first of course i do i've never heard of course you do that's what i'm saying and that drives me nuts when i get some knucklehead it's like hey i went hunting let's talk about it and then it turns out to be yeah we shot some rabbits Oh, big fucking deal. If you ate the rabbits, great. Good on you. But I want to hear about it. It's right. like, you wouldn't be except, hey, guess what, Pete? Let me tell you about the lasagna I baked. You'd be like, yeah, fuck. There's a reason our podcast logo has a rabbit on it. <laughs> I agree with the last comment, Goody, with the lasagna one, but definitely <laughs> I need to, I would really like to take you rabbit hunting. I tell you what, after this rabbit hunt, if this is not as exciting as the elephant hunt, I'll take you. Oh, no, no. I love rabbit hunting. I'll, I'll shoot rabbits all day long. Shotguns, bows, 22s, whatever. I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. It's a rabbit. <laughs> anyway, you need moving to, right you along. Get over here and rabbit hunt. You'll want to talk about this. I rabbit. don't want to talk about no rabbit hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather talk about the lasagna. Anyway, moving right along. I like lasagna. Yes. I'll do, a deal. I'll do a deal with you. You come over, I'll take you for a camel hunt. That I could talk about. We could talk about a camel Matthew hunt. But part of the camel hunt is you've got to come for a rabbit hunt. Fine. We'll go for rabbit hunt. I'm just not talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so, let's talk. So, so you enjoy the recurve. You, you're going to move off the compounds or no? Um, I see the compound because I used to shoot professionally with the rifles. Um, so I've done professional shooting the rifles, bows and whatnot. Uh, also, uh, sorry, rifles and pistols. And I'm not a big fan of the noise of the rifles. So to me, my compound's like the rifle to me because I can reach out. Um, I absolutely love the recurve. I actually love the recurve more than my compound. It's my favorite out of everything. I'm actually looking at a big Jim, is it? Big Jim's longbow at the moment. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of them. I've heard of them. Is that an Australian company? No, nah, it's American. But anyway, I love the recurve. Absolutely love nice. it. So I'm looking at getting a longbow as well just to do it all with a longbow as well. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking at getting my species or my species again with the um with the recurve so the big question is when you're in the petting zoo do you do you prefer the longbow the recurve (laughs) or the compound (laughs) i'll probably go the recurve because i can a lot faster see that's it see that's that sensible kind of hunting i like it that's it i can just see him coming at me flat out 
for the um, carrots I got in my pocket. I find it easier with the recurve in the petting zoo because if you put the corn from the, um, oh, the, the little dispenser, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you put that in your hand you, and they come up, yeah. it's easier to get to full draw and release that's a lot it. faster with that's the recurve it. than the compound. And, and let's be honest, it's a little more sporting with the recurve. Too. Yeah, yeah. You don't always hit the ear tags and that kind of stuff. It's yeah, I like it. Hmm. Nice. See, good. You've answered the petting zoo question that we've asked all of our guests, Pete. Oh man, I tell you what, with a recurve, you go through so quick. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Done. So (laughs) the nice thing is with the fence, you just go and pick up your arrow that was passed through and shoot the next one. Yeah. (laughs) No, distance ain't a problem when you're in a petting zoo. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, I find it. If you're lucky, you can line two of the animals. Up. You could just use a club, but that just would be unsporting. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we've got we've got ethics here at Steve and Goody. That's it. That's it. I do hunt with boomerangs and spears, so it'll be good, be good to um, have you guys on that when you come over. But uh, the uh, spear would be all right, no bloody petting zoo. Well, Goody has the hand-eye coordination of a duck on acid. You don't want me handling spears. It'll wind up going backwards, and the boomerang will wind up going forwards and not coming back. Or hitting one of us. Or hitting, yeah. yeah. It's, all good. it's all good, brother. I've got a good zoom on my camera. Me and Steve, I can watch from a distance. Man, that's it. That's I like it. I like it. That's it. <laughs> or, you know, like in Mythbusters, when they're going to blow something up and they've got that big plexiglass cage around them, you might want to have one of those. Too. Dude, what I really like to do is when you come over the camels, getting you to um, go in a stand not like a tree stand because not too many big trees out there but it's off the ground and you um, get a camel Jeez. with a spear how high is the stand <laughs> yeah he's yeah. really afraid of heights oh, it's awful right it's and it's funny because I, I i can occasionally climb a ladder at home every now and then I, you know usually katrina does it but i can do it and i thought okay well i'll be all right and then when we were in south africa we were working on a tree stand in one spot and i just couldn't do it man it was all loose i just you know what it just wasn't meant to be that's okay so if you've got a stand that's three or four feet off the ground, I'll be all right. <laughs> if you got a step stool, <laughs> well, we'll be able to get you there. If we can, even if we get a, uh, we set okay. up a blind, I'll be able, we'll be able to get you blind. You're just going to have to be able to get within. I'm not talking friendly animals. Oh yeah, no. either. Camel bulls are aggressive. I know. No we'll be able to do that. No worries. Just okay, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about spearing some stuff. Horta. <laughs> yeah. I think we talked a little bit about that last night because I'm keen to be a bear. Oh, yeah. In Canada. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't you do it in Michigan as well? That Not in Michigan, no. Oh, I thought it was... I thought he, it was, he was from Michigan. Oh, that guy that did it. Yeah, yeah that was oh. it. Okay. That was very controversial. He lost a lot of, a lot of sponsors and stuff. Yeah, he lost huge. his Under Armour sponsorship, yeah, which, which was the big one. Yeah. Mm. That seems to me a bit mm. silly, but anyway. Well, you know, if it's legal, piss off. That's my, that's my opinion. One thing that... Um, Pete and I were talking about is Pete is very good at getting access to to hunting properties and so one of the questions that listeners write in about a lot actually is how to get access so we were wondering if you could just give our listeners maybe a tip or two Mm -hmm. obviously not give them your entire formula (laughs) but (laughs) give them a tip or two about how maybe they could go about starting the process of trying to get access yeah wicked so what I found was um like hunting the animals, you want to understand the animal you're hunting before you can go hunt it. Because um, if you don't understand the animal, you go hunting elephants like a, or say, uh, what are those buffalo you were chasing? Go hunt with them and treat it like a rabbit. It's not going to work so well. 
Um, so yeah, when I when I go speak to a property owner, um, and I got a really good success rate with speaking to property owners, but when I speak to them, first thing I'll do is I'll walk up, I'll shake their hand, and I'll introduce myself with my whole name. Okay. That's the first thing I do, hundred percent, so they know who I am, and they know what I do. So g'day, I'm Pete Griffiths. Nice to meet you. I'm a bow hunter. This is what I do. And if they're talking, I let them talk. I, most of the time, I just let them talk. It's only if they, when they get to ask me who I am. And after that, I mainly just speak about them, ask them about themselves and what they do and what they got. Um, but the biggest tip I would say for a farmer is, or to get properties is, so these guys, this is like their backyard. Like, you know, someone's got a little house in suburbia with a backyard. So a farmer's backyard, yeah, it's bigger, but to them, it's the same sort of thing. So they're letting someone walk in the backyard with a gun or a bow. So to them, there's a lot of responsibility on them. So their insurance, anything happens to you, their insurance covers it. So they see all the things that could affect them. And what I've noticed is people have, I've taken door knocking, they look at it and go, I just want to hunt. I don't care about anything else. It's like, well, the farmer just wants to know he's safe and you're going to do the right thing. He doesn't care about anything else. So if you can show them the value of plant, who you are and what you do, what you're about. And if you're going to go on their property and notice there's a broken fence and spend the time to fix it or there's a cow or sheep out and notify them and just be 100% on point with them, then, man, they see the value and they're straight up, straight off the bat. Not a problem. And, and let me ask you this then, in terms of reaching out, because I've had this discussion with other people, and particularly for, for us city folk who live in the city or the suburbs where we're you know a couple of hours out from hunting areas, typically, um, do you think it's more beneficial to take the time to go out to the areas that you want to hunt and door knock, or do you try to get phone numbers and that kind of stuff and do it that way? I would never do a phone number. I would only go and talk to them face to face. That makes sense. No, no, that, that, yeah. that's not sensible to me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they want to meet you. Like I'll get you. I'll, if I come over there with you guys, I guarantee you I'll get you properties. Mm. They just want to meet you and know who it is that's going to be walking around their backyard. And know that they're not going to shoot the cows, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can assess that better if they're looking at you face to face. Oh, 100%. Because they think, you know, this person can walk around the backyard. What's going to, what's stopping them from shooting my cows or my sheep or driving through my fences or leaving a mess or dropping rubbish? Are they going to create work for me? Or they are they just going to go hunting and enjoy themselves? They see you're hunting and enjoying yourselves, adding value to their farm. They're like, well, of course they want you on there because it's like, He's fixed his fence. How good is that? He just come out and do some shooting, but he doesn't look at the hunting. He goes, "Wow, he's fixed my fence." Now he's, "Wow, he's fixed my fence." Or called me about this. Hey, um, you know, you rock up and say, "Hey, looks like you may need a hand. Can I give you a hand?" Give him a hand. It's just giving that value back. And when you do that, I tell you, then they go, "Wow, hope he's had a really good hunt. Is he enjoying himself?" Then it turns from, you know, I mean, you always want to give them value, but their thought pattern from worrying about you doing stuff wrong, their thought pattern changed to, man, how can it, you know, are you having a good hunt? Hey, I seen this the other day over here. Yeah, yeah, they can. So, <laughs> so, um, so, so with with um, with respect to the forest, one of the things that I found and what's helped me get access when I've been able to in this particular southern state, which has been unusually hard compared to when I lived in New South Wales, is references from other, hunter, or other farmers. So talking to one farmer and he's like, oh, I've got a, a friend or a mate or a cousin or somebody who's got another farm down the road, go down and have a chat with them and then let them know you spoke to me and that kind of stuff. Do you find any of that occurs in your situation or is it just, you know, 
a cold call on a front door that you um that does help it does help having the neighbors that aren't in the neighbors property uh understand they don't always get along the neighbors well that's it yeah sometimes they yeah that's it work against you actually i actually found in in wyoming you can't go to people's houses like that and ask permission to hunt their land you can legally Mm. but they'll shoot you oh really if you pull into their driveway unannounced and they don't know you they will shoot first people threaten to shoot me i was gonna say so what's been some of your negative reactions have you have you had a farmer say nah now you can't hunt here yeah. and get nasty or, or are they generally polite yeah, about I've it? Had, I've the... had some absolute doozies because I'll talk to anyone. I don't care. But I've had a couple of guys that I've taken out hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, one of the guys, he's been with me on a few. He's quite paranoid. I've had him on properties where I've got like a farmer got full permission. And it's like, mate, you can you know hunt the place he's met. You know, all good. He, was, he ended up coming back and just hunt with us because he was too nervous to go hunt around because the neighbor was driving his boundary. So the neighbors didn't get along. But I got... I have permission to shoot both properties, mm. even though they uh, owners don't. The two property oh, no. owners don't get along whatsoever. Anyway, um, I've taken him oh, out, wow. and we've had um, I've had people pull up swearing at us, going off, threatening all sorts. So I just listen to them. They go through it. So like you trespass, and they go through all of that stuff. And they say, once they're done, they seem to simmer down. And once they simmer down, they get eight. That's how I introduce myself, give them my whole name, all my details. Um, yeah, that's what I do. That's what I'm doing. And then they, they simmer down and before you know it, some of the best properties I've got, the people have started off by threatening me. So I've got, I got four <laughs> where they've threatened. I've had people threaten to shoot me, where I've had the where I've had the police involved. Um, yeah, I've actually had that wow. four times. Three, three times, sorry. I've had three wow. times where people have threatened, threatened to shoot me. One was a like an activist. Actually, two were like vegan activists. Um, and I... Another okay. one threatened to come around. Surprised they had guns. Oh, man. I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what's going on there. But anyway, they also threatened because I shot a cat, a feral cat, and they felt offended by that to the point they threatened to come around and kill all my dogs and stuff like that. I thought, wow, that really oh, add wow. up. Animal activists killing okay. stuff. Yeah. And they threatened. And do you ever get them? Do you, have you ever had a, land, a farmer or landowner let you on but charge you? No. I've yeah. had... Plenty of them offer to pay me. Yeah, oh, no, I've had that as well, particularly where my daughter rides. They've got tons of, ironically, rabbits. <laughs> um, and the woman who owns the property said she'll, you know, I'll just, I'll give you money, just come here and shoot these bloody things. But obviously it's a bit different, but. Just no, do that tomorrow morning. Yeah, maybe. Because um, I've often thought. Because I'm out of rabbit nuggets and my youngest daughter is just ready for some nuggets. She wants rabbit we'll nuggets and nothing do. else. We can see what we can do. But I've always been surprised that farmers don't charge more. Like, if I think about a farmer owning land that's running livestock, right? If they look at that, you know, that feral deer or those goats or pigs or whatever is something of value, right? Because I I reckon, assuming they trust the hunter, most hunters wouldn't have a problem paying, particularly for deer, right? If it's a big trophy deer, giving them a hundred bucks or giving them two hundred bucks to be able to hunt their property, you figure that would be a fair trade, right? Uh, maybe not so much for pigs or goats or whatever, but still, I've just never, you know, never it's never kind of made any sense to me why a farmer doesn't try to get money out of it. What I've found is it seems to be one way or the other. Oh. They're either happy for you to come, or, or, not at all. or they want you to charge, they want to charge you like 
thousands of dollars. Well, that's the big, and yeah, but I look at the other way. My experience has been- As soon as they realize that there's a potential for money to come in, all of a sudden those prices go sky high. Yeah. But not here. My experience is they say no or yes and aren't even open to it. Like the conversation, thought, because there was a place up in Flinders where we were talking to them. Um, and, and admittedly, it was over the phone, Peter. So it probably wasn't the best scenario, but it turned out that was the only way we could kind of connect. And we were having a great conversation and I was talking to the wife and then the husband kind of was involved. And then eventually it was, ah, oh, look, no, we probably don't want hunters here anymore. We've had a bad, couple of bad experiences. Admittedly, they're rifle hunters and I tried to explain the bow thing. And, yeah. Um, in my experience, and I was going to say, well, look, I can give you some money for the goats because I know that feral goats particularly have a meat price, right? They they muster them a lot and whatever. And they Although the price even, has gone down because uh, uh, yeah. with that whole new law that they're trying to put in, so no live export. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll wipe that out. That'll turn them back yeah. into rabbits. That's it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of at least the commercial value, right, I was happy to pay for it. I figured, you know, look, if it's 30, 40, 50 bucks a, a goat and I knock over a couple in a week, or what do I, I mean... I get them. I'm, I'm supporting the farm that's allowing me to hunt. Yeah. And they weren't even really interested. It was just a weird kind of experience. And I've noticed there's just a lack of commercial acumen among farmers. But I get also, too, other farmers are going the other way and they're kind of overcharging. That's probably more the U.S. Where they no, realize. I've been, I've really? been doing a lot of looking into um, local okay. outfitters and stuff like that to get access on certain properties. And... Um, like we're talking, you know, fifteen hundred bucks for a fallow deer. Oh, that's down in down south here. Big, big ranch, big, big property. No. Oh, that's a different one. Oh, okay, there's a big. No, those are there. those are big deer. Yeah. This is like all over. You can't touch a buff hunt for under well, ten oh, grand. Yeah, but that's also too. That's a, yeah, but then those people make. But they're not Kate Buffalo. Why do they think that they need to be be able to price them like a Cape Buffalo? I'm sorry, that's not one of the five deadlies. But a lot of Yanks come over and pay for it. A lot of Yanks come over. That's weird. It. So, you know, what I find from the property owners I've ran into, um, and I've asked them about it, you know, why don't they charge people to do it? And they said, man, once you find someone that can come and shoot your property and you don't have to worry about them, I'd rather have them yes. do it out of passion than have people come in and pay and not knowing what you get. Yeah, no, that's a, a good point. There's no system in place for a farmer to go, hey, cool, these are good. These this group of guys is really good, and they're yeah. safe because there are big bodies that are trying to do it at the moment or are doing it. And I spoke to quite a few people how they, you know, ask how they went, and they said we'd never have them back. Mm. They yeah. left their rubbish. They left gates open. Yeah, they've never been on a farm before. We had to show them around. We had to babysit them. They wanted us to go in the car. It's a, it was just a job. We get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Yep. No farms, you know, fences. You know, if it's closed, yeah. keep, leave it closed when you're finished. Yeah. You know, cow, sheep, goats, if something's wrong, you'll let us know. Man, mm-hmm. having you on there is like having a manager on there. You go see what we don't and let us know. Just mm-hmm. We're just happy. But a few of them now are happy for me to take people, start taking people with us. But um, I'm, I'm still, you know what I mean, because now the responsibility is on me or I'm going to lose a property and probably the neighbors as well. So, Yeah. Have you had a property owner change his mind? Like, so you've been there for a while, and then all of a sudden he says no? Um, yeah, and then I went and spoke to him, had a coffee with him, and got him back. I've also Good had man. people. I've also had people really like not like me whatsoever, and I was just chilled with the conversation. They went and they went. I said, "Thank you very much for your time." 
um, had a great day, whatever, after they'd got stuck into me. And then probably three or four weeks, I've had them call me back and say, hey, where did someone else shoot the place? Um, this is what happened. But after that conversation with you, just wanted to say apologies for the way we behaved. And wow. we'd really like to have you shoot our property. Fantastic, Pete. Yes. time. But to be yeah. honest, yeah, I've got plenty of properties and it's not so much that, but I'm very selective with the people I hang out with. Yeah. I really appreciate your offer, but I don't think this uh, relationship's for me. And Especially just, if they're giving you a hard time, right? It's kind of, because then you well, don't know what you're going to get the next time you're yeah. there. And yeah. yeah it's it's no hard feelings, but I noticed they talked about the other people straight away behind their back. And I figured, well, yeah. if they're able to talk about, it's like your friends, if you've got a good friend and they're talking about their close mates behind their back, what I are they saying about you? They're do it yeah. to you. So I figured, well, I don't really want to um, hang around those sorts of people, but I put other guys onto the property and I said, look, I've got these guys, they do a bit for me and now they seem to be going all right, which is, I just realized look, it's a cool property. I can still go out there with them, but it's just, I'm very selective with the people I hang out with because I know how much it affects me. So I want to hang out with good people. That's it. Well, speaking of good people, I'm going to plug the uh, new page. Last last season, we had a lot of guys on from My Hunt Fit. Also, we know that from last season, I was also a member of Team I Hunt Fit, and so I Hunt Fit dissolved um, about two weeks ago. So a few of us guys got together and we discussed all the things that we loved about hunting community, and we discussed all the things we hated about the hunting community particularly that somebody's always trying to sell you something somebody always wants something and it was never a either felt bad because you didn't know enough or you felt everyone was beneath you and it was just a really kind of bad environment as far as that goes so a few of us guys decided to get together and we created off the couch outdoors which is a facebook page you can look it up uh so what it is is we do a hundred percent encouragement so everything is about encouraging others any it doesn't matter how old you are what race you are what religion you are what country you're from what language you speak even we've got a couple of what we've done is we've kind of created this so it's kind of a one-stop shop where anybody of any level hunting can come and be free and feel free to ask questions and get help and we've got specialists in a bunch of different areas turned goody onto that a few days ago and he's enjoying it and um, also, we turned turned on Pete onto it last night, and he's enjoying it as well. So, Pete, what do you, what do you think about the page? I love it, mate. I think what you guys have done—it's a huge inspiration for me to see the respect and actual support. Um, man, I, yeah, unbelievable! I think absolutely brilliant what you're doing. I love it. I think it's crazy. We—I was actually just talking because there's two other founders that are along with me that, that started that page, and we were just discussing it the other day with some of the senior family. One of the things that we hate about the hunting community is all the pro staff, field staff, mm. you know, factory shooter, and all that kind of stuff. So we've actually just said, you know what? We're not using any of those words. This is the off the couch family, and we have a senior family that are just kind of experts in their field. And what the, we need, though, yeah. is the drunk uncle part of the family. <laughs> well, there is that, but you don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> the local drunk uncle. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Um, so that's kind of what we were looking for, looking into doing. And, and the thing that we decided was that we didn't want to use any of that 
stuff. We just, we wanted it to be an open and I, I don't even like using the word safe space because of the connotation that comes along with it now, but it really is for hunters. It's a safe space. If, as long as what you're doing is legal, we don't care. We're going to support you. And, um, so if you need to lose a few pounds, we've got specialists to help you with that. Photographers, we got specialists to help you with that. Um, if you want to learn how to yeah. tell stories about how to shoot rabbits, we don't have any specialists for that. We do. We do actually. <laughs> Goody is the specialist yeah, I'm, for. I'm the, I'm the rabbit hunting specialist. That's it. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, so that's, that's the shameful plug for the nice. Facebook page. Now, uh, if you are keen, there is. You can ask to you can ask to join the page. You have to answer three questions, and you have to agree to the page rules, which pop up there for you. Um, but we encourage anybody because this isn't about making money. This isn't about selling anything. This is about hunters helping hunters, which is a community. It's a community, and it's it's a community that only allows support and understanding. And um, anybody who decides they don't want to be a part of that, we ban them real quite frequently and, and block them, and they're gone. But we've got seven hundred people on the invite list right now that are waiting for approval that I have wow. to go deal with when we finish this nice. podcast. Yeah, well, well done. brilliant. Yeah, I feel what. Yeah, I feel what you guys are creating here is a group of leaders in our industry, in the industry of hunting, which is pretty awesome when you think about it because a lot of people just talk about the hunting, that sort of things, but enforcing that support and that positive feedback and, oh, man, yeah, just it's incredible what you're doing. And to me, it's a group of leaders. You're putting a group of leaders together within the industry to lead and set an example of as hunters, this is what we are. This is what we do. This is how we feel. This is how we treat other people. I, yeah, huge respect, man. Well, Pete, that's all the time we have for the man. podcast today, actually. So um, we just wanted to take a minute to, to thank you for coming on the on the page. Yeah. And uh, could you just, if you want to give a shout out, tell everybody about your uh your I hunt down under page where they can find it and information like that. And maybe even where they can contact you about your, uh, Perth, uh, bow hunting coaching. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks very much, Steve. Um, yeah. So with me, uh, I hunt down under is me Facebook page and the Facebook page I've got, I hunt down under is me hunting and doing what I do. So through that, I do promotions every now and then to run, uh, hunting training. So that's both anything from, tuning your bow, just sighting your bow through to hunting different animals uh, with multiple types of, um, so whether it be bow or rifles, whatnot, but um, not just in WA. So I'm doing them over east as well. got quite a few people interested over in Victoria and New South Wales, uh, which I'd like to get you guys involved, which I'll talk to you guys about that later if you're interested. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you guys want to jump in, um, guys, girls, kids, love seeing the kids involved. Uh, for our future but yeah if you guys are involved jump on i hunt down under send me a private message and um yeah get involved and that's a and that's a facebook page not the website it's a facebook page yeah, yeah i hunt down under it's a facebook page yep fantastic great well yep. thanks a lot pete for joining us and um look when we get out to the wild west we'll have to catch up with you and spend some time in the bush and hopefully um sort out a few camels yeah well i'm hoping i'm hoping that this will just be the beginning of many yeah, many hangouts together and yeah, absolutely. Being of many, many hunts in the future. I'm trying to think if I've got any Perth work coming up that I could swing over and say, "Hey, over. yeah." If I do, I'll let I, you know, Pete. 
I've got properties over there. Otherwise, I'll I'll get some. It's no drama. But um, yeah, I want to say a big thank you to you, Steve and Goody. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate you. Well, thanks again, and uh, ha- have a great day. And we look forward to our next hunt. Likewise, looking forward to it. So keep on to us, and uh, we are doing camels or samba. If you guys are interested, let oh, me know. I can whatever. It doesn't bother me. Sounds good to me. They all sound good to me, man. That's it, man. Hunting's hunting, man. Except for rabbits. If it's brown, it's down. It flies, it dies. <laughs> Except rabbits. I don't want to hunt any rabbits. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're hunting rabbits, man. We're going to do an entire trip. Rabbits only. Rabbits just, only. just for you. Just for today. All right, Pete, talk to you later. <laughs> yep, no, I was thinking about it. It's a great day. Nice.